Good morning. First time I've shown up without paper. And, you know, a lot of times when I preach, I don't, I do a lot of my reading on on a computer because I'm just too impatient to flip pages. And sometimes that's not a good thing. But uh, I've discovered this wonderful thing that I can do my studies and just hit a sync button and all my devices show up with my message or whatever I've been working on. So I thought I'd give it a whirl and see what happens. (laughs) Hopefully I don't have to borrow anybody's Bible. (laughs) Bless your name, Jesus. Everybody doing okay? Sounds a little weird to me. That's just a sound guy. So, who likes being taken care of? One, two, two people out there. Everybody else just gung ho, GI Joe. We all like to be taken care of, right? And there's security and comfort and confidence. When I was in school, <clears throat> high school, in my past life, I was not not so nice guy. Let me just put it that way. And so nobody messed with me. You know, you tell somebody you're going to slit their throat, they don't want to mess with you. But anyway, um, so I had my two brothers and my sister. We all went to the same school. And my sister used to never tell anybody who her oldest brother was because as soon as the guys found out, they all, she had no guy friends. My youngest brother, on the other hand, used to take advantage of that fact. So when he ran out of his lunch, he would say, hey, you know who my brother is? Give me your lunch. So that's the wrong kind of confidence in somebody taking care of you. But there is a confidence that comes from being sheltered. God God is our fortress, right? He's our shield. What does it say? The righteous run to him, and they are saved. So we should have a little, I got a place to go run to. When he shuts that door, we don't have to worry about anybody on the outside. So we are virtually like that in everyday life. And I was thinking about, by the way, you know, one of the things that you need to, I shared this with our small group on Wednesday. You see, our pastors are not here. They've not been here for a couple of Sundays. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we chased them away for a whole month. This is a good sign for a body that we don't, go all crazy and fall apart just because our pastor's not. That's not the way church is designed. This is the way church is designed to be. We have leadership in place. We have confidence in the Lord. And he should not feel the entire burden. I have to tell Pastor Jeremy a lot of times, you are taken off. Don't show your face here. Don't take any phone calls. Go away. Because he takes his responsibility very seriously. And so uh, many of you may or may not know, but David Morrow, Heather Morrow's husband, passed away last week. 
and uh, we were up in Illinois for his funeral yesterday. And you know, this family, that, that is important right now. So we told them to stay there, take their time, get back here when they're ready to. So this is a good thing. You should be encouraged that we have structure and leadership that allows us to flex whichever way we want to go, and it doesn't disrupt the life of the church. Amen? That's right. And you can thank God for that. A lot of churches aren't that way. Don't know what we're going to do. Pastor's not here. Who's going to tell everybody else about Jesus? I had that happen to me one time. Last church, a pastor, <clears throat> we were having, you know, prayer time, and one of my members came up to me and says, Pastor Thomas, this, uh, this person wants to know about Jesus. And, you know, and I'm like, do you know Jesus? Yeah. Well, tell him about Jesus then. And their eyes went like this. I said, this is not rocket science. Jesus said, be my witnesses. And what's a witness? A witness who speaks about things that they have seen or heard or know about, right? That you personally experienced. So don't complicate it, folks. The shepherd's job is to shepherd. Uh, I'm trying to think it was Spurgeon, I think he said that. I could counsel one person for four hours, or I could counsel 400 people for one hour. So the shepherd's job. So we need to leave those are shepherds in leadership to eat from the Lord's table and to bring to us and not burden them with stuff like we all know Jesus and if you don't you should he's pretty cool and uh, <clears throat> we all can tell people about what Jesus has done one of the things I've learned through the past few years of going through our life with Micah, you know, <clears throat> people like real people, and especially those unbelievers can spot a fake a mile away, but what does that mean to be real? It's not talking Christianese all the time. We have to learn how to talk English to people about God, you know, I, I have this word I've Use. I call it Christianese. So when church people start talking about Jesus, they go into this mode, and the people listening to who don't know who Jesus don't know anything about it is like, Phew. so. And one of the things about being real, the cost for that is vulnerability, and we don't like that. Because it means that people are poking and prodding and pushing and looking in places that we're sensitive about. Or we may have a weak place or something that hurts us and we don't want to think about that. But the real miracle is this. I tell everybody this all the time. I'm a real messed up person. If Jesus let go of me for five seconds, I will be all over the place. But see, he makes something good come out of this mess. And I know it, it's not me. But the price you have to pay for getting there or being there is to allow yourself for people to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not that we become less human because we become Christians. It means that in spite of being human, we're able to overcome 
those things are supernatural things that God does in our life. So we go through whatever it is. So fine, you get angry at somebody for no reason. Go apologize to them. Admit when you're wrong. That's being real. What we do, we get angry at somebody and we don't see them again until Jesus comes back. A lot of churches would have less issues if we'd get past the point of conflict. Conflict is not a bad thing. As iron sharpens iron, so like one person sharpens another. What we have to do is that if I say I love Jesus, and Lindsay says she loves Jesus, then a mathematical equation that runs A is equal to B and B is equal to C, therefore A is equal to C. If you love Jesus and I say I love Jesus, we've got to love each other. No matter what. No matter whether I do something wrong to her, she wrongs me, doesn't matter because we cannot continue to say I love Jesus and have ought between us okay that's not the message by the way that's just a free chasing a rabbit thing <clears throat> but it's getting there so so we have to think about this. And so when you, when you make yourself vulnerable, you let people see what God is th doing through you. And by sharing the things that you go through, whether it's good or bad or painful, and just sharing that, yeah, I'm not feeling good today. Don't have to, you know. And don't ask people stuff like that if you don't want to know the answer. Don't be politically correct. Let me share a funny story. So, you know, if, if you're grown up, <clears throat> where I come from, a culture like that, it's a very hospitable culture. So if somebody says, come over to our house anytime, they mean that. In the South, I found out it's not <laughs> always necessarily true. So, we were living in Huntersville, which is down the road, Vine Hill Road. My wife and I, we didn't have any kids. And a friend of mine lived in a first house on the left. The Spencer family owned a huge farm out there. And uh, my friend Steve and I have been friends for years. And, uh, you know, we're just like walking distance. Like I could throw a stone and hit his house. And he'd say, well, drop in sometime. I said, okay. You know, my house, if anybody knows, the only people who knock on our door are people we don't know. Most people just go, hey, I'm here. So... <clears throat> So I, I thought, well, you know, looks like everybody's home. I'll drop in. So I did. I said, hey, guys. And everybody was like, hey, Thomas. <laughs> and I realized after a few seconds that there was a little awkwardness there. So I said, well, I thought I'd see how you guys are doing. Well, you know, I'll talk to you later. Bye. And I left very quickly. But that was on uh, Monday or Tuesday. On Saturday, I told Steve, I was to, we were trying to put in a garden in where we were staying. And I said, Steve, I need to put a garden in. I know you're a farmer, so, you know, bring something to dig up dirt for me. He had to tell me. So I said, okay. So come Saturday about 7.30, Steve shows up with this John Deere the size of a house. I mean, literally. And he's got the two outside things folded up. And just the middle thing is like that wide at least. I said, dude, I just want to put a small garden in. He says, this is the smallest thing I got. So, so, so Steve's a coffee drinker, and I'm, I'm a coffee drinker. 
And I said, Steve, you know, I was at your house the other day. It was a little awkward. He just got quiet for a minute. He said, yeah. I said, didn't you tell me drop in any time? He said, yes, I did. I said, why did you say that then? I said, if I tell you drop in any time, that's what it means. Just, you know, if you need a call, just make sure we're home. I said, let's not do this. So we're friends. We're brothers. If you want to open your house up to me, then make sure it is. But don't say it just to be polite. We don't need to do that. I've had somebody show up at my doorstep at 11.30 with a box of donuts and says, got any coffee? I was in my pajamas. So I got, made some coffee, ate donuts, and they went home. Some of you think that's going a little too far. What am I saying all this for? Jesus is that way with us. He didn't hold anything back. So our message today in Psalm 23. Let's put that up, guys. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? So, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Other translation, I shall lack for nothing. Right? Now, have you guys ever seen a shepherd? It's got being around sheep? Okay, I have. <clears throat> um, it's, it's a job. Sheep have no sense at all. I mean, if they didn't have a shepherd, I mean, they wouldn't know what to do. What did Jesus say about himself? John 10, next, that verse, guys. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I lack nothing. So what I'm going to do is go through a bunch of stuff here. But what Scripture says about what Jesus talks about himself, right? Put the next verse up, guys, the reference, Philippians 4.9. I shall lack nothing. What does that say? My God shall supply only your rent. <laughs> only your desperate car payment or what does it say? What does that mean? But let's dissect this word. <laughs> let's get into a deep one-hour discussion. <laughs> this is what we do with God's word. It means all, everything from beginning to end. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
So Jesus himself says that. See, all of scripture is about Jesus. Okay, little aside here. You know when Jesus rose back from the dead, and these two guys were on their way to Emmaus, right? And they were reading scripture, and they were trying to figure out what, what it meant. All of a sudden, what? Jesus rose up with them, right? And then what does it say he did? He talked to them, and he showed them in the scriptures, in the law, and the Psalms, and the prophets, where it talked about him. Now, we live in the centuries after Jesus. The New Testament was written after Jesus. Before Jesus, that is the Bible that they had, which is the Old Testament. The law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And Jesus was showing them that the entire Bible to that point all talked about him. He showed them that. Psalm 23 is about Jesus. That's why he said, I am the good shepherd. And because I am the good shepherd, you shall not lack for anything. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Who thinks God is poor in here? If you're foolish enough to think that, let me straighten you out afterwards. <clears throat> God's not poor. Right? So if your father's not poor, why do you think poor? I don't always mean it. It's a mentality, okay? All righty. Next verse. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Okay. Just verse 2. All right. Yesterday, on our way back, we passed Crab Orchard Lake. It was that time of the day when, you know, it's like sun is about to set. It's not quite dark, but it's not in the, and the clouds are just going crazy. And we passed this little stretch, and the water was just still, like a mirror. And everything the sky was could be seen. And I just saw myself and Daniel in the car. Said, oh, look at that. It's, I mean, it was one of those. You know, we're those people that pull over and watch sunsets, okay? We didn't yesterday because it was foggy and everyone get run over. But this little stretch was clear. It was awesome. Still waters. You know why sheep have to be led beside still waters? Now, I'm going to relate some stories from my growing up. So, on the mission field, my parents were, we had several rivers that we had to cross, and they're mountain rivers. Mountain rivers have very strong currents. You can be in two feet of water, and it'll get your foot swept out from under you. It's happened to me. And you'll, you know, once I was going somewhere, and all these guys were taking, riding bicycles, because there's no roads out there, so I had mine too, and my dad had given me an errand, it was a couple of hours away, and all these guys are carrying their bikes, and Slowly crossing this little stream. I'm thinking, that's just nuts. It's got wheels. Why don't they just roll it across? So me, being a smart guy, got in the stream with my bike. <laughs> I mean, I was down in the water trying to keep the bike from washing away. Finally, I got my footing back. I got my shoulder. There was only this much water. What do you think is going to happen to a sheep if he gets in there to drink when he's thirsty? You ever thought about that? See, we just read this stuff. A lot of times we don't think about it. All right, so that's why they need still waters. Green pastures. Now, how many of you want to go to a restaurant 
after church today ends, and they tell you, I'm sorry, we're out of food. So it's a shepherd's job to feed the sheep, and so he leads them where there's food. God is not going to lead you somewhere where there's no food in your life. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging. Matthew 6, 21, what does it say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added. That's 33. But before that, Jesus said what? Don't worry about what you shall eat or drink or what you shall wear. Your heavenly Father knows you. And what do we do? So, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, I would say that everything we do on a regular basis is related to food, shelter, clothing. Am I right? Might be some version of it. You know, some people like caviar, some like hamburger. One costs more than the other. It's still food. Okay? Some people live in a 1,500 square foot house. Others live in a 10,000 square foot house. It's still shelter. Some people wear Armani. Some people wear Salvation Army. <laughs> still clothes. You see what I mean? We, pay, we place too much importance on these things. So I had to think about this one day, and so, you know, God, the Lord was speaking to me because, see, when I came here, I didn't have anything, just a promise from the Lord and a suitcase in my hand, and the Lord said, I'm going to take care of you, and I stepped out on faith. That was 32 years ago. Okay? I still live like that. I got stuff with me, but my, it's the Lord who provides for all of it. My suitcase got a little bit bigger. <clears throat> But I learned something, that we place way too much importance on these things. And because we do, it drives us to what we do every day. Think about this. If you did not really say you had an endless supply of money, because that was your main concern, we're doing this, right? And you could do anything you wanted, right? And you didn't have to worry about food, eating, drinking, or clothing, or anything of this stuff. How would you live? How would you live? And you're a believer. I don't know how the ungodly live when they have that kind of money, but how would you live? The fact of the matter is, that's exactly what Jesus is trying to tell us to do. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. We got the order flipped around, and as long as the order is flipped around, you will always be lacking stuff. I think I was talking to somebody earlier, and I asked my father, because my mom and dad left everything. They just basically dropped everything and went. And people told him, you're crazy. I mean, they did. My grandfather was so mad at my dad, he wouldn't talk to him for a year or two. He said, you're going to kill all your children in this jungle, and where are you going? You don't even speak the language. Uh, I asked my dad, I was maybe a teenager, I said, Dad, you ever worry about us? You know, about, you know what's going to happen with your children and whether we're going to... He says, you know, the Lord told me to do his work. Shame on him if he doesn't take care of me. I'm doing his business. He's got to do his business. I couldn't believe my dad actually said that. I was like, <laughs> Dad said, shame on God. <laughs> Psalm 36, 8, let's look at that. <clears throat> I'm not rushing at all. I know you guys are going to stuck here until I get done. <laughs> They're abundantly satisfied 
with the fullness of your house, and I give them drink from the river of your pleasure. You should read that whole song. It's incredible. Right? Okay, moving on. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. He guides me or leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. All right, Psalm 19.7. I'm running, running through these, but... So, how does he lead us in paths of righteousness? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Have you guys ever read that full Psalm? Psalm 19.7. Before that, it says, it's talking about the Word of God. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean. The judgments of the Lord are true. More to be desired are they than gold. Let's rest. If you ever read Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm, it's all about. So it's not like we're ignorant about how God is going to lead us in the paths of righteousness. And if you don't want to read Psalm 119, you can just read the Ten Commandments. What did Jesus say about that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. On his hang all the law, the prophets, the commandments, everything. It's simple. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't kill. However that works out, right? Okay. Let's see. Uh, Psalm 25.8. I know it feels a little... What I'm, what I'm trying to do is give you some stuff to think about when you sit down and you, you know. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. Now, if you're not a sinner, please raise your hand because I want to dispel your illusions. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that is righteous. At the foot of the cross, we're all beggars. Okay? Psalm 73, 24. Psalm 73, 24. Did I not give you that one? 73, 24. It's okay, I'll read it. It says, you will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Right? All right, I'm jumping to John 16, 13. This is very important. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, right? And he says, when I go, what will I do? I will send you the... And what will he do? When he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he hears, he will speak. Most people stop right there. See what the next, this to me is the most powerful part of this verse. What does it say? He will tell you. <gasps> we could make some serious dough if we knew who was going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like a Back to the Future, you know. <laughs> Any of you guys seen Back to the Future movies? He's got the... He says, no, bet on this, you know. So, I mean, if you know what the almanac's going to do, right? That's not what this is about. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately. What does this mean? Who knows all things? 
God does. Who sees all things? God does. Who knows what is yet to come? And what part of God lives in us? The Holy Spirit. Everything God the Father knows, the Holy Spirit knows. All we got to do is ask, and you shall knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Seek, and you will find. Is this all too complicated? It's not. But we got to make these connections. It's one big, the whole Bible is like a big tapestry. You pull on a string over here and something will unravel somewhere else. It's all connected. All of Scripture, right? That's only all of Scripture is given to us for what? For our teaching, for our exhortation, for, for our edification, for our correction. All of it. So, anyway. Next verse. Even though I walked, that's what yay means, by the way. It's not, hey. <laughs> not that kind of yay. Though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, you know, this, this is always going to, why did David use the valley of the shadow of death? Why did he just use shadow? I mean, it makes sense too, right? The valley of the shadow of death. You guys been in a valley before? When the sun comes up in the morning, the valley is in the shadow. When the sun comes over the valley, there is no more shadow. When the sun, S-O-N, comes over the valley, there's no more shadow. That's what death is. You know, I shared a little bit about at Micah's funeral. It is a stop on the way to life. Am I right? All of us are dying. It's just a matter of time. I don't like thinking about that, but sometimes it's good. It's a shadow. Shadow comes and goes. And what causes a shadow in the first place? This is something we need to think about. The sun causes a shadow in the first place. He's completely in control. You guys getting this? All right, yeah, yeah, making your brains whirl, aren't I? Yeah, 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 whatever. All right. Let's go to Isaiah 43. I don't know if I put that in there. All right, we're going to go to you. So this is a promise from the Lord to you. You've heard me read this here before. But this is now, thus says the Lord, the creator of Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you, 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 you. I've called you by your, 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 your name. You are, you are, you are, you are, you are mine. Okay? That is powerful. What do I do with things or people that are mine? What did Jesus say? God has put what? These people in the palm of my hand. Nobody 
is going to snatch them out of my hand. Nobody. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. I'm telling you, the best thing in the world you can do is abandon yourself to Jesus. Make your problem his, and it's no longer your problem. And he's happy to do that because he says, you are mine. Give me your problem. Don't sit there trying to figure it out. Don't sit there trying to understand everything. Trust me. See, one of the coolest things, I think, for me that the Lord taught me was, you know when your kids are small and they're tall and jumping or something, they say, Daddy, catch me. And sometimes you don't have time to react. They just jump. <laughs> I've had that happen to me a few times, right? You like barely have time to say, oh, uh. In your Christian walk, be that way. Catch me, Daddy. Don't be afraid to be a child. Um, one of the places that I was, I was teaching Sunday school, and Daniel, you know, this small. I was at the other place. And so, you know, sometimes we'd run a little long, like I'm about to. Um, and we're almost finished. And you hear the bam, and the door comes flying open. And there's Daniel. I mean, the boy has no sense of appropriateness. I mean, I'm teaching a Sunday school class. There's people, there's 20 adults in there. He just <laughs> crashes the door open. Hey, Dad, can I have a dollar? I need something out of that. <laughs> he doesn't see what I'm doing. He doesn't care what I'm doing. He doesn't care what anybody else is doing. He doesn't care that it's a Sunday school class. He just knows Dad's in there. He's got a dollar. If I ask him for one, I'll get what I need. That is the only thing that he is concerned about. And as children of God, that's the only thing we need to be concerned about. Bust the door wide open, jump into God's prayer and say, I, I, I don't know what to say even. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray and intercede for you. You don't even know what to say. But you got to bust in. And unless you're willing to be undignified and do that, you will never see the glory of God displayed in your life. You know, Jesus, I mean, David almost stripped down and started dancing when the ark came back. And his answer to somebody said, man, he said, I would be even more undignified. Please keep your clothes on. But but we have built a church culture over decades and decades that teaches us that appropriate a proper way to behave ourselves is to but when it gets really bad that's when I knock on the door I mean I have no other choice we've tried everything I have a t-shirt that my kids got me because I say it all the time it says there is no plan B There's no plan B. You may think there is, but you're just deluding yourself. Why don't you just skip all that trouble and go straight to Jesus? Then you don't have to go through weeks and months of 
trying to figure out. Because we just read that the Holy Spirit knows what to do. He'll tell us what's yet to come. I'm telling you folks, that is not just a word there. I've had times when I had to deal with things. And I walk into a room and the Lord reads me everybody's mail. They can't hide anything from me. They open their mouth. I put my finger on them. I say, you are like this. And that is why you're like that. They shut up because they were going to cause trouble for me. What do you think would happen? You remember the New Testament church. They said that everybody shared, broke bread daily, and they gave to the work of the Lord, right? So Ananias and Sapphira, right? They, they come in and they lie about it. And Peter says what? You grieve the Holy Spirit. What happens to them? They fall dead. Now think, next Sunday, somebody comes in here for prayer and they lie before the Lord and they fall dead. And somebody says, what do you think is going to happen to this church? You're all going to run away screaming, right? Listen, people. God doesn't just say words just to be saying them. There's a reason why he does things a certain way. Okay. I'll go back to Isaiah 43. You have the next verse? When you pass through the waters, I, he didn't say when you swim over, get a boat. What's the word there? Passing through the waters. We're going to do that. Jesus didn't come into our lives so we could have no discomfort and sit on our duffs and be nice and cozy and not have to worry about all the troubles that people go through. No. In this life, you will have tribulations. We have good cheer. I will overcome the world. Guaranteed. Especially if you're a child of God, you're going to have tribulation. So, if you're following Jesus for a nice, easy life, I suggest you go someplace else. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Next one. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, Skip to the next verse, if it's there. Not there. I only stopped there. Okay, that's okay. But the, the Lord says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Amen? <clears throat> All right. Moving on. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me. What? In the presence, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So let's just, I'm, you know, I'm a creative person, right? Media guy. So when I see verses, I see pictures. Now, just say you got some enemies. I mean, people who really hate you, right? They want to kill you. And Jesus says, hey, here's all the enemies. Let's have dinner right here. We're not talking about fighting, defending, anything. Other. Why? Would God prepare a table in the presence of your enemies? I mean, that seems the most, it seems like the logical thing to do in the presence of enemies is to arm you and for him to take a battle stand and says, I'm going to kill them. And so Jesus says, let's eat. Our enemies are outside, yay. I know. I said, I said God, you're just crazy is what it is. Yeah, I talked to God like that, I'm sorry, but. He's not. He's a big boy. He can handle it. 
What, does, what is this verse trying to teach us? God is not concerned about your enemies. Don't complicate it. And neither should you be concerned about your enemies. Carry on. As life as usual. What do you do when you and Jesus hang out? Do you eat together? Do you sit and talk together? Just do whatever you're doing? Don't change everything just because the enemies show up. And you know, I'm, I'm a, this actually goes, for me, the first time I saw a picture about this, okay, I, I love the Lord of the Rings movies, the whole series, medieval battles, you know. I'm just picturing myself in the middle of this huge battlefield, all these guys with swords and armors and horses and spears, and you say, hey, grab this tablecloth. All right, that's good. Now, where's the cheese and where's the bread? And I'm like, going like this the whole time, right? Like, arrow, spear, horse. And Jesus like, hey, grab the tablecloth. Put the stuff on the table. Don't make sense, right? He is not concerned. And even in the midst of the worst thing that you can think of, what he wants to do is what? Sit down with you and just chill. What do we do at mealtimes? I mean, what are we setting a table for? We're not there talking stupendous things and solving all the problems of the universe, at least not on my table. My table, they're busy trying to reply to each other in movie lines, and I get lost in two seconds. <laughs> God is trying to tell us, I got your back. I am your good shepherd. Don't be concerned. Sit down with me and Put this, so we have to make a conscious effort to do that. Trust in the Lord. That is an active thing. It's not just something that you get a zap about. So, you know what? I think this chair is pretty good. Okay, that's one way to do it. Oh, man, I don't know if I want to sit in that chair because I have the leg broken. Let me see. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to sit in that chair because I don't. So you can be one of those. Or you can be one of these. Listen, folks, I'm just giving you practical, useful things to live the Christian life because if we don't do this, we'll get <laughs> crushed like a grape, Daniel son. Karate Kid, I'm sorry. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall, mercy shall follow me. Say that ten times as fast. All it is in my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where does forever start? Right now. not after we're dead forever has been forever and will always be forever whether we're there or not Jesus lived in the forever you know before he took flesh 
John chapter 1 says what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then what? Later on says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. We too, created in the image of God, become flesh at some point according to God's sovereign plan, and He gives us life. And we too will pass from this life into the forever. But don't wait till you're dead to find that out because you might not. What does Paul say? If our hope is only for the life that is yet to come, I'm paraphrasing, then we are of all men to be pitied. There's another place the psalmist says, uh, I'm trying to think, it's maybe Psalm 27. Is that in there somewhere? No. Yeah. Psalm 27 um, this is Micah's verse for this year. Lord is my salvation. Hold on, says. Give me just a second. One thing I've desired of the Lord, I'm just going to read from verse 4 up that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. For the psalm says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, I just want to say something to wrap this thing up. Let's put Psalm, the whole Psalm 23. Oh, you don't have it all together. Okay. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's the next thing say? He, the first word, he, what's the next? He, he leads me. He, who's doing all the work here? And why do we think that we have to do all the work? Okay. If that's too complicated for you, let me make this real easy. This is what I call my Baba part of the... Over here, over here. That's you and me, folks. <laughs> his rod and his staff, they comfort me. You know what a rod is, right? So the rod is not for the sheep, contrary to what a lot of people think. The rod was, a, sometimes it was a club. It's known as a rod. It's his, it's his tool for defending the sheep against wolves and other people. That's what he, the shepherd defends the sheep. He, hit, he hits other. He fights with other. The staff, on the other hand, is a protective and a guiding tool. Usually long, has a little crook on the end. You never see the bishops walk around with their big bishop staff. Why is that? You know why the hook is on there? So, sheep get stuck in 
the bramble. And the sheep is so smart that he extricates himself from the... No. What does he do? Bah! 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 Till the shepherd shows up. And sometimes, you know, it's hard to get your hands on the bramble because they've kind of somehow worked. So he gets his staff out, got a little hook on the end, hooks it around the sheep and gets them out. Another reason why sheep have to be in still waters is that, you know what happens to sheep who's got wool and he falls over in water? They drown. You know why? Because the wool gets so heavy with water, they can't stand themselves up. They'll drown. And sometimes you see a picture of Jesus, you know, with a shepherd over, with a sheep over his shoulder. That's really not a good sign. That means that sheep is running off here and there. And sometimes the shepherd, in order to cure a sheep's running problem, will break its legs. There's some way he can do that. He'll bind his legs and put some on the shoulder, and he'll walk till that sheep learns to hear the shepherd's voice. And when his legs are fine again, he sets them down, and the sheep hears the voice. So if you have, feel like your legs have been broken in your life, the Lord just needs you to learn to listen to his voice a little bit better. It's not for evil. The Lord never intends evil for us. He does it so we may live. For whom the Lord loves, he also chastises or disciplines. And sometimes we think of that in a negative sense. It's not. Sometimes we're just ignorant. We're not old enough. You know? I mean, I mean, they're not going to give Leo the keys to the car after church. <laughs> it's not that he doesn't know about a car or doesn't know where he lives. He's just not old enough. And so we're in a process. Of the Lord is conforming us to the image of Christ. What I want you to really take home with you is that it is not your problem to find a green pastures. It is not your problem to find the still waters. It is not even your problem to find the way. The only thing we are required to do for our shepherd is to listen to his voice and follow him. What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Once, and make a practice of listening to that through the Holy Spirit. Once you do that, you can live your life guided by the voice of the Spirit, never fearing what's going on around you. You will lose. I, I don't fear man at all. The Lord cured me of that. And it gives you an amount of freedom to speak truth and to deal with situations in a truthful manner without ever being out. I'm not saying that somebody might not hurt me because I say, I, I've had that happen to me. But I'm not afraid of them. Oh, what are they going to do to me? I'm going to live forever with Jesus. They might not. I just need to make sure that they know that. It'll change your perspective about people. Listen, don't hate people who don't follow Jesus. You ever get your dog at 
mad, mad at your dog for barking at you. Because when you get home, he doesn't say, hi, Aaron. So glad to see you this evening. What have you been doing all day? <laughs> the dog's going to do what? <laughs> no matter how much you try to teach that dog to talk, he's a dog and he's going to bark. So don't get mad at people for barking. Unless the Holy Spirit goes in there and it says, we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Until that creation happens, there's no point in us getting upset with people. It's a waste of energy. Life's too short. Follow the shepherd. Listen to his voice. And all these things will be handled for you. Your enemies, your food, your drink, your grain pastures. And part of the new covenant is what? No longer shall a man teach another is in Ezekiel, I believe. Another person saying that this is, the, this is the way of the Lord. But I myself will write my word in your hearts, and you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, folks, I don't care who you are, how much you think you know or don't know, but God is speaking to you every day, all the time. Yeah. Tune in your dial. Do something crazy. You feel a little thought pass through your mind when you look at somebody and you go, eh, it's just me. No, it's not you. The Holy Spirit's nudging you going, just do it. What's the worst thing that could happen? You want to bless somebody in Jesus' name and they don't like it? So what? Get over it. That better be Jesus calling because, I mean, <laughs> mine's on ring too. <clears throat> anyway, let me pray and I'll be done. And thank you for being patient and uh, listening, because I know I ran a little over, but it was important. Everybody good? Yes. Was this good for you? Yes. So God is our comforter. He's our good shepherd. Just look to him and follow him. You'll have joy in your life and peace and rest. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Thank you, Father, for your word that's given us so many promises, Father. Lord, I pray that the things that have been talked about today that you had me share, Lord, that it will fall on good ground. It will bear fruit in due time. Bring to remembrance, O oh Lord, the things that people need to remember so that they may benefit from the things that you already laid out. Goodness for us. You are good shepherd. Thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you that you are our provider. Thank you that you are our strong fortress. Thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, we just bless your holy name. Lord, I pray that your will be done and your kingdom come in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.